a Justin Jefferson contract extension, Rick Spielman's TikToks, multiple Pokemon questions. It's Twitter Tuesday, just an average Twitter Tuesday on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day, every single day. Today on the show is Tuesday. It's Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions. You can send me a question whenever you want. You can DM me at NFL or at LockedOnVikings. They usually put out a call for them sometime on Monday. You can uh, fill out the Google form in the show notes or send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com if you're feeling a little more long form. And we actually I got a really long one that I am going to respond to today. So we got a little bit of everything on this Twitter Tuesday. Let me dive in, though, with a little bit more standard stuff, something from Ben Olson. He says, what does a Justin Jefferson contract extension look like in terms of years and money? That is going to be, I think, a more interesting question, specifically because I don't have a sense for how Quasi does it. Right, We haven't seen Quasey do any extensions except for the Kirk Cousins one, which is obviously going to be circumstance as a quarterback that doesn't apply to anybody else. That said, I think it's pretty much, you can, you can lock it in, that Justin Jefferson will get a, an extension at whatever the market rate is. Um, or if the Vikings, for whatever reason, don't want to do that, they'd trade him away to another team that'll give him uh, a market rate extension. That would be insane. I really don't see that happening. But either way, Justin Jefferson's getting paid, right? Um, so the, essentially, the answer becomes, what is market rate? And that is going to fluctuate a lot. It's going to depend on the cap environment and the exactness and all that stuff. But I would say the one Cooper Cup just signed is a pretty good proxy. I would say it'll be something like that. Um, I think he will. There, there's a really good chance that you see headlines that are like Justin Jefferson, highest paid wide receiver ever or something like that before he gets leapfrogged by somebody, you know, two seconds later. Um, but that is where I think that will be now in terms of actual structure and all that stuff the, the tricks that the Vikings can use to make it so that that isn't quite as much of a burden as it will be for other teams. Um, that is a much different question. And we just don't know a lot about how Quasi attacks that. However, Rob Brzezinski is still in the building and I would kind of guess that he's going to keep structuring contracts the way he structures them. It's pretty good. I don't really know why you change that. Um, which means you would have a couple of years where the cap hit isn't too, too bad. And then in year three, the real money starts to kick in. And then in year four, the guarantees sort of taper off. Um, and it becomes a more malleable contract with restructure potential and stuff. And then you can restructure and extend and just kind of keep on working it from there. And before you know it, the dude's played here for eight years and never really cost that much for any of them. I would imagine it looks something like that in terms of what that is. The, the Cooper cup deal, uh, is 75 million guaranteed. He'll make 110 million over the next, I think five years. Um, so what's that 22 million a year, um, something, some, somewhere in that range, like average, but it'll be one of those things where the real money doesn't kick in until 22 million a year. doesn't feel like that much anymore. You know, remember 10 years ago, anybody that wasn't a quarterback making more than 15 million a year was unthinkable, unheard of. 
Um, so, you know, the environment changes a lot and it's better to think of like percentage of cap and all that stuff. But I think the more detailed version of that conversation is one we can have at a later date when it's a little more relevant. Andrew asks, as someone else who was born in Minnesota but now lives in California, I'm curious what you miss the most about Minnesota. For me, it's the snow. Uh, aside from the obvious answer, like, you know, family and friends and stuff, um, I, the winter is a big one. I liked the winter. Everybody's like, oh, ho, ho, you got out of the cold when you went to California. Ugh, I did never mind it. I would much rather be cold than be hot. And it was like 100 where I live today. So I would I'd give me give me zero over 100 every, any day. Um, I liked the snow. I hated driving the snow. The snow got annoying after a while because it meant it was so much more of a pain in the ass to get around. Um, but I I do miss the, the cold. I Sometimes I'll go home for like Christmas and it's, I'll just like walk outside real quick and just like give me like a couple of those sharp like lung collapsing breaths of like 10 degree air brings me right back to when I was like 12 years old. There's just like a nostalgia to it now. Um, I like the winter. I was always one of those weird romantics that liked the winter. Uh, Mr. Bighead asks, since it's probably fair to assume the Browns were pursuing redacted, I assume, I assume you mean Deshaun Watson, before uh, Quasey left, is it fair to also question his role in that whole thing, especially since we also spent a second round pick on a player with a similarly heinous background? I wouldn't call Ed, I mean, the Ed Ingram's allegations are horrifying, like they're really rough. Um, Deshaun Watson's allegations are like that of a serial predator that sh shouldn't see the light of day again. Comparing those two, I think, is is probably minimizing Deshaun Watson's allegations. I wouldn't want to do that. However, to the crux of your question, um, sure, yeah, maybe Quasi had something to do with that. And Quasi does seem to be, as you know, coming from that organization and then behaving the way he's behaved here, seems to be kind of a cold, calculated, you know, whatever, just get the guy in the building if he gets on base kind of guy, you know? Um, they, this is, I mean, this is not going to be unique to him or the Browns. I mean, it's the NFL. Who is it that said, like, if Hannibal Lecter ran a 4-3-40, they'd say he had an eating disorder? Like, it's not, this is the NFL. You have to, it's just how it's going to go. We're actually going to have more of a conversation about that in a second, but it's just how the NFL goes, man. Kyle Slaby asks, what's the ideal amount of work you'd give Madison to keep Cook fresh without limiting your offense? Um, assuming Longu doesn't develop or whatever, and assuming Madison's the only option, sure. Um, I think the answer to this has to be listen to Dalvin Cook. I think as a position coach making those decisions, you have to just be in constant touch, be like, how you feeling? Are you getting winded? Are you getting tired? Are you sore? You know, do you need to take a couple off? What is that? And I think you have to listen to him and be really in tune with how he's playing. Um, and, you know, if you see him start to slow down, like be really vigilant about that. I think you have to kind of play that by ear. I think if you go in going, well, we're going to give 10 reps to Madison and 30 reps to Delvin. Like, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice. I think it has to be a decision you make on the sideline kind of on the fly. Um, and it just depends on how Dalvin Cook works. I have a ton more questions and I do want to get to all of them. I really like this mailbag. There's a lot of fun ones in here. Um, so we'll do that. But first, let me talk to you about Blue Nile. Look, if you're looking for an engagement ring or just like a nice ring uh, or a nice piece of jewelry or something for that special someone in your life, go to BlueNile.com. Let me ask you this. Do you know what a princess cut is? If you don't, Go to BlueNile.com because that might be something that your partner really wants or really doesn't want. Or it might be a style that they have thought about a whole bunch. And if you don't know what that is, 
you might get yourself in a whole bunch of trouble. So go to BlueNile.com. They have online jewelry experts 24-7 that can help you customize, pick out size and, and cut and all this stuff, and get a ring that is unique, one-of-a-kind, and perfect for your partner. That is BlueNile.com. And if you make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, Locked On Vikings listeners will get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. That's a podcast exclusive that includes engagement. So use promo code LOCKEDON. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging, so you won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So on the weekend of the draft, the NFL, Locked On NFL Network, did a live show where we had a whole panel of people. I was on it a whole bunch every time the Vikings picked. It was super dope. It was a rousing success. And now the NBA is doing their version of that for the NBA draft. So make sure you go check that out. You can find it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. So go subscribe to that right now. Don't miss out. Next question in this mailbag comes from SportsGuy709, who asks, Would you rather have Jameis Winston at QB with wide receivers Diggs, Thielen, and Jefferson all in their primes, or have Aaron Rodgers as a QB with wide receivers Charles Johnson, Cordero Patterson, and Troy Williamson in their primes? Um, I mean, I'm slamming the quarterback. Yeah, quarterback with bad receivers versus receivers with bad quarterback. Um, Quarterback with bad receivers is better every single time, if that's the answer you're you're asking for. Andrew Olson asks, is this Dalvin's last year as a Viking? We have an out next year with a $6 million dead cap hit and he'll be 28. Love Dalvin. I want him to stay, but the brain says that's a possibility. Um, I don't think so. I hear what you're, you're saying and it certainly will be an option if they want to save some cap space. If, the, if it's the difference between extending Justin Jefferson or not, yeah, sorry, Dalvin, but you're gone. But, um, I think it's way more likely that you get a restructure in that, uh, cap hit so that you can get his cap hit down and also keep the player, rather than just cutting cap casualty. It's the kind of thing that is, I mean, there's like one player a year, maybe, if you're like in a rough spot, or if it's the Saints, you know, it's like two or three players, and they're always like role players that you can kind of deal with, and you know, teams are always looking to minimize that, right? They're always looking to get, to take the minimum impact. You don't want to just take a gigantic brunt and then be like, well, my books are balanced, unless you're the Bears, who are completely insane and are going to win like two games this year. Nobody wants to do that. Um, so I don't think so. It could happen. Anything can happen, but I, I would be pretty surprised if they cut him before they like restructured him or did some kind of like faux extension void year nonsense, um, to get his cap hit down if they really need to. Mir Gando asks, would you rather have lunch with Rick Spielman or Mike Zimmer? Oh my God. Easy Zimmer. Uh, Spielman, it'd be interesting, right? Like, I would love to hear about, like, how the draft worked and stuff like that and really, like, pick his brain. But, come on, Zimmer would be way more interesting. For one, Zimmer's a coach, and coaches just want to teach you about the sport. If you And if you're like, I am so willing, all I want to do is learn about stuff about the sport right now, please help me. I feel like most coaches in the world would be like, oh, hell yeah, and, like, dive right in with you. But also, I mean, come on, Zimmer's not going to pull any punches, right? Like, you could ask him stuff about there's another one in here about like what would you ask Mike Zimmer? Hey, I would ask him, did Norv Turner punch you in the face after on Halloween night 2016? Um, after he scratched his eye on a play card and then Norv Turner was out and there was a rumor that the two got into a fist fight and they definitely got into a fight way deep at night and rumor is it came to blows. I believe that rumor and I'm never gonna stop believing that rumor. 
Um, and I would ask, but I would also ask him stuff about, you know, scheme and Hey, you know, what do you do against like three by one when Devonte Adams is on the backside and they're motioning it. So it becomes four by one. How do you deal with that? You know, the, these other questions that like I have, I would love to like learn stuff about it that way. Um, in a similar vein, Maurice Morth asks, would you rather discuss the lack of importance of the run game with Zimmer or do a TikTok with Rick Spielman? Uh, you'll never catch me dead doing a TikTok. You can, a TikTok in this economy. I'll never do a TikTok. Uh, forget it. I want to talk to Zimmer again. Yeah, that'd be a great question. Like, Hey, you said a whole bunch of stuff about the run game. And I know Zimmer has a much more thought out and thoughtful answer than what he'll say on the podium. That that basically just sounded like old gruff established the run nonsense. I know that he has a better answer than, I mean, come on. And I would love to hear it. I would love to be like, okay, look, I know you talked about how like you're really committed to all of this. What does it mean to establish the run? What are you like in specifics? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to set up specific plays down the line by running specific run plays? Are you just trying to hit a certain threshold of we ran eight times and now they should be that tired? Or what are what are you doing? What is the actual logic here? Explain it to me. I would love that conversation. Doing a TikTok with Rick Spielman would be like a, a punishment for losing a bet. Uh, Zach asks, would you rather go short? cage diving or do a walking safari um both of these sound rad i would be pretty into both of them uh but funny story a bunch of years ago i worked for a subsidiary of discovery and we did a thing with them for shark week we actually sent a couple of people down into a shark cave and i was very close to being one of them and i ended up not getting picked to do that project and i was super bummed about it so i would absolutely do the shark cage because i, I kind of want to do that linwood asks top 10 vikings on, on the roster you guys got to stop asking me to do lists i don't know the top two are jefferson and daniel hunter um now i'm bored yep that's and then i don't know there's like 15 players in the next tier uh straw asks when will the vikings si finally sign baker i what is this thing about baker May I, okay so apparently i went on uh bison radio with keith break earlier on monday and um apparently some national guy said something about how the vikings were sniffing around baker mayfield but it, to me it sounded a lot like something the browns would leak to try to drum up interest or whatever i don't think there's anything to it and i, I that would make no sense they just extended kirk cousins he hasn't played a game since they extended him. Why are we already trying to like cope our way out of the extension? They just did it. They made the decision and they haven't even seen a dividend back yet, good or bad. Why would they go back on a decision 10 seconds after like functionally no time after they, they like they made it. It's over. It happened. He's going to be the quarterback for the next two years. It's time to, to come to grips. Um, I, okay, I've got a whole bunch more questions. Many of them are silly like that one. <laughs> but first, let me talk to you about a good old Gramble. Look, if you want to bet on the Vikings, you can bet on will they win week one? Will they win the division? Um, where will they place in the division? You can bet on stuff like MVP odds. And I think you can bet on like first coach fired and stuff. All of that you can find at betonline.net. You can also bet on the hockey playoffs, on WNBA, tennis, golf, MMA, whatever. You can build cool player props, or you can bet in the middle of their games with their live betting module. That is at betonline.net, where the game starts. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag, Zachary Hayes asks, which bunny survives the longest in the wild? Uh, the real answer is they would both be 
absolutely screwed in the wild. The thing about domestic rabbits, and if you ever see a rabbit that looks like a domestic rabbit, that rabbit's probably in trouble and won't make it very long in the wild. But if you see a wild rabbit, and wild rabbits look different than domestic rabbits, domestic rabbits have uh, very like varied patterns and spotting and stuff. A wild rabbit pretty much always has that same kind of brown, you know, like that brown fur, and they have like pointier noses, and they will usually look a little kind of skinnier and wirier. Domestic rabbits are pretty much anything else. If you see a domestic rabbit, that rabbit probably needs help. If you see a wild rabbit, that rabbit needs to be left alone. But a domestic rabbit, because they grew up in captivity, they are not going to have the foraging instincts. They're not going to have the ability to like really provide for themselves. They're probably in a lot of trouble. So the answer is both of them are absolutely screwed. But if we're going down to the second of like which one makes it further than the other one, um, Zoe probably lasts a little longer because ZD would probably get himself in trouble. He's way too curious for his own good. Uh, <laughs> Cooper asks, growing up, I loved watching Adrian Peterson every week. He's easily my favorite Viking as a kid. Since I've gotten older, and with the most recent domestic assault issue, I'm well aware of the mistakes he's made in his life. I guess what I'm asking is, how do you deal with it all, watching your childhood friends do bad stuff, etc., etc.? Okay, this is a tough question, and I don't know if there's a great answer to it. You kind of just have to compartmentalize, and just like, all right, I'm doing that. Um, but here's the deal. I, as I've done a lot of the projects that I've done this offseason, especially doing like history stuff for this show, my relationship to the team has been very, um, I've kind of realized what's important to me in it. You know, I want to see the Vikings win. I do. And it makes me happy. And I think I'm starting to get really secure in the fact that it's really, I just want to see the team in purple have more points on the board. And that's, that's, that makes me happy. And I like rooting for the humans and stuff, but I can choose not to root for one human over another. You know, I can choose to be like, well, the, but yeah, but that guy sucks. I still want the Vikings to score a touchdown, even if, that guy sucks. Like, I don't think those two things need to necessarily be in conflict with one another. And I think if you have a respect and an awareness and you kind of understand and, and have that, you know, in the back of your mind and just say, yeah, I understand that. I accept it. And it's bad. And I know that it's bad. I don't think that also celebrating when Adrian Peterson scores a touchdown means you're like, implicitly condoning uh, child abuse. No, I think yeah, child abuse is bad, but also player go boom. I like that. And that has not really much to do with the fact that he did child abuse. You just have to be aware of it and have a, that solemn kind of awareness of it. Scooter asked a very long one. So Scooter went to the Google form and put on a whole thing about my Kirk Cousins take, um, about my irrational Kirk Cousins take, and basically said, oh, I didn't realize your thing was about how he checks down too much. And I knew I was going to get this when I said it in the last Twitter Tuesday. Somebody asked me about how much money would I take off his contract. And my answer was basically like, look, you, you take $20 million off. He's still going to check down on third and six. I was referencing a specific play kind of on the fly there. Um, but it's, you know, take $20 million off of Kirk Cousins' contract. Kirk Cousins still plays the exact same way. And so it doesn't actually solve any of my problems with him. That was the point that I was making. Um, in this, you, he, Scooter linked a, an article to a, a PFF article about checkdowns. For one, the, uh, the article didn't load, so sorry. But I think I know which one you're talking about. And the way that PFF does checkdowns is a different thing than what I'm talking about. PFF is talking about the end of a progression and check down in that way has a lot less to do with the quarterback. It's, you know, you went one, two, maybe three, and then you had to get rid of it. And that meant you came off one, two, and three. The reasons you're going to come off one, two, and three, unless you're just wrong about that all the time, probably don't have a lot to do with you. It probably means the coverage wasn't right or the guy didn't get open or whatever. So 
how much somebody checks down per PFF, I don't know if that necessarily tells you what you're trying to figure out when you're talking about checkdowns, which is, is this guy too conservative? And like, what's aggressive? What's conservative? Is, um, it's not something you can chart. I'm sorry. It's not like a thing. It's, I know it's not measurable. And for some people that means that we can never know. And if we can't measure it, we're, we're all David Hume. And if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. But it, it, here's the thing. I think you can watch a play and if you know what you're looking at, you can go, okay, there was a 20 yard pass open and there was a, an eight yard pass open and it was first and 10 and the eight yard pass is fine. The 20 yard pass would have been better. And he took the eight yard pass. And if you understand the reasons behind that and go, okay, well, he, th- this was a long to short progression. So he looked at the 20 yard one, decided he didn't want it, was incorrect about that and took the eight yard one instead. You could go, oh, that was a conservative decision that he made. And that's kind of how I, I, I look for it. Or this was a short to long progression and he took the eight yard pass. There could have been a 20 yard pass. That will happen to Kirk Cousins a lot. There'll be a short, a short yard, short to long progression and he'll take, you know, a four yard pass, but there could have been a 15 yard pass. Um, on first down, I'm a little more forgiving of it than I am when it's third and 10 and you took the four yard pass. But, it, it, and part of that is why are you calling a short to long progression when you know that, you know, Kirk Cousins is a, is Ron Burgundy and reads whatever's on the teleprompter. But part of that is a sort of implicit conservatism where, where he goes, you know, it's, it's sort of the devil's version of you can't go broke taking a profit, but you can when it's not a profit. And <laughs> So, so with Kirk Cousins, and I'm so it's, a podcast is the worst medium to do this, especially a Twitter Tuesday one where I got a bunch more questions and I'm kind of trying to rush through the point. But the point is, there have been times the, the play I was talking about, the check down on a third and six, is the one that sticks in my head. It was against the Rams last year. It was third and goal from the six, and the progression was one, two, three, and three was a check down, and one and two ran into each other. So one and two weren't there, and then he went to three in the check down. But the check down was covered. It was a flat to Alexander Madison, and it was covered. It could have just as easily been an interception as a catch. And so if he really were to do the safe thing, he should have thrown it over that dude's head and just thrown it away and said, okay, we'll take our field goal. Um, He didn't do that. He also had time. There was pressure coming like two-ish steps away, Um, but that's time, if you watch him drill it, that's enough time for him to have reset his feet and start on the backside of the progression. I don't know if that was in the progression. I don't know if I like, I don't know what four was in the progression, right? One and two ran into each other. Three was a check down. I think he should have come off the check down and done whatever four is. Four could have been scramble. Four could have been work the backside. Four could have been throw away. He should have gone to four. Um, that, but in his, and he was asked about this after the game. And he said, oh, I wanted to put it into a safe place where it couldn't get intercepted, which I both disagree about how safe it was, but also it was third and goal on, on the goal line, man. Like what in, in a game you're losing by two scores, like, come on, bro. Um, that, that was where I'm at. And so that, that idea of like, you're constantly living to fight another day, but when you're down two scores in a game that eventually ended up basically eliminating them, um, this is not the time to live to fight another day. This is the day to fight on. You don't have another day to fight on. You can't you go do it. Like at a certain point you have to do the thing. Um, it's the quarterback version of passing up a fourth and one for the game to come down to a fourth and 10 later. Like you're not going to get a better opportunity and that could have been a better opportunity. But, um, so that's where I was at on the check down thing. It was a big, long explanation explanation. Your question is what available QB would you rather have? Which I think is a dishonest reframing of it because I can criticize Kirk cousins without another like superstar free agent hitting the market. I don't need, uh, I mean, Tom Brady was available a couple years ago. Matt Ryan was on the trade. So like there are a couple, but I don't need those guys to, 
say like, this is a problem with Kirk Cousins and I think this problem is bad enough that it prevents them from being a Super Bowl team. Um, but if you reframe it and go, well, I mean, it's not like Patrick Mahomes is our coming along every day. It's like, well, no, but that doesn't mean that we just, ah, well, I guess we can't talk about our quarterback. Ah, shoot. Next time Patrick Mahomes hits the free agent market, though, you best believe I'm going to start criticizing Kirk Cousins for checking down on third and six. Like, that's not how this works, man. I, I, ho- I hope I explained that a little bit better, that it's it's this general conservatism, but if you're going to try to measure conservatism, don't don't come back to me with like an average depth of target stat. That's a scheme stat, you know? Don't come back to me with what PFF looks at checkdowns. That's a different thing. One last thing on this. Sorry, I, I, this is something that I want to make sure I clarify. There's a lot of new listeners, people on YouTube and stuff that don't really know my, my take here. I am of the opinion that Kirk Cousins gets a little tunnel vision sometimes. Not that he stares down a guy, but that he's not he is not a peripheral vision kind of quarterback, right? Um, he focuses in, and he even talks about this. Like, he doesn't have a periphery of if there's pressure coming. He reads the front, and he trusts that he read the front correctly, and then he focuses all of his attention on the secondary. Um, and that's that's why he takes a lot of sacks, and it looks like he doesn't see him coming, because he doesn't see him coming. And he, and he believes that that's correct, and he says, that's the way I do it, because I like focusing my mental energy on the secondary, and I just kind of have to trust that I've set the protection properly. And that's just the way he plays. I think it's a bad idea. I think it gives him a reputation for not being very good in the pocket, because, hey, that's a problem that's going to make you not very good in the pocket when the pocket's messy. What that kind of leads to as well is when you're going through a progression, it's like, okay, you're looking at one and you're only looking at one and one's either there or he's not, and then you move on. And he can process that very quickly, but he's not looking anywhere else. And so, you know, when you're looking at one and one is there and one is an eight yard pass, but 20 is also there, some quarterbacks see that. What separates the the Matt Ryans, the Aaron Rodgerses, um, you know, to go all the, like the, I mean, the Mahomes and the Rodgers and all this stuff, but yeah, even the, the Matt Ryans, or I, I, I think Stafford's good at this, if you ask me. They'll see that. They'll say, oh, that eight yard is there, but in my periphery, I also notice that there's a guy streaking down the field on a deep post, and I'm going to throw it to the deep post because I saw it. Kirk Cousins won't see it. He will only see what he is being instructed to see, no more, no less. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay, that's my big, long Kirk Cousins answer. Let's move to something else. Brandon asks, instead of a guard competition, who would the Vi- could the Vikings go out and sign Quinton Spain, who was on the Bengals? Um, probably not. Quinton Spain's pretty bad, if I remember. I, he's been bad for a few years. Uh, Norse Code asks, I need you to pick three toppings to make a worse pizza than this. And the toppings were pineapple, olives, and chicken. Okay, two things. One, that sounds Dangerously close to chicken piccata, which I could actually see working out okay. Chicken piccata is lemon and capers in chicken, um, and sometimes parsley. Uh, so, you know, an acid, uh, sort of vinegary dill, other acid, and then chicken. Um, acid on pizza is good. Tomato is an acid. Everybody knows that acid goes well with fat, and that's why pineapple on pizza is good. And if, you're, and if you disagree, you're just a kid, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> so if I need to come up with something worse, that's not going to be very hard because that sounds weird, but like it could possibly work. So I'm going to go for one anchovies. anchovies. Anchovies are disgusting and nobody serious likes them. Um, and then I'm going to add a weird herb like mint that doesn't go with anything. And then I am going to add peaches so that you've got that orange juice and toothpaste. Or you know what? Mandarin oranges, like out of a cup, mandarin oranges, mint and anchovies. Uh, Cho asks, what are your top five TV shows of all time? Then pick a current Viking you think is either most likely to love that show or exemplifies its narrative. For example, Frasier equals Kirk Cousins. I refuse to give further explanation. No explanation needed. That makes perfect sense. Um, Top five shows of all time. Breaking Bad comes to mind. Uh, Breaking Bad. um, I even liked the Fly episode. uh, I, I get the Fly episode at least. 
that is a very chaotic show that's always kind of scram- like its plot is always scrambling. They're always two steps behind and just kind of trying to to just like scrape and claw their way to the next thing. So I'm going to go with Oli Udo for that. <laughs> it kind of exemplifies his guard play. Um, the next show, I'm probably only going to do like two or three, let's be honest. Uh, I'm going to go with The Wire. Uh, the Wire has all sorts of complexities. It's very deep, and yet at the same time feels like it's simple and focused. Like it has a very like honed-in idea of what it wants to be and the message it wants to have, and yet there's so much going on, and, and it all works in tandem with itself, and that's Harrison Smith. Um, yep, that's going to be it. I'm only going to do two shows. <laughs> Rasta Pasta asks, scrambled eggs, stuffed hot dogs, yes. And now I have two Pokemon questions. The first one comes from Kurt with two C's, who asks, what Pokemon-type gym leaders are the following? Jefferson, Kendricks, Hunter, and Cousins, or pick whoever you want. All right, similar. You guys keep doing this. Stop sending me things about, like, what are your top 20? Like, please, Jesus, just give, I do three things max, all right? Anything that you ask me to do three, more than three things, I'm doing three of them max. So, I, so Jefferson, um, okay, Cousins is a normal type for sure, um, because it's, probably above average like normal type is a little underrated like it's not it's boring but it works um and they have stab moves like headbutt and stab tackle and stuff that are really good early game but eventually they'll fall off and they're not you're not going to go to the promised land on normal types alone unless that's the challenge run that you're doing um so normal type for Kirk cousins daniel hunter will go with like fighting type that seems to make sense um justin jefferson i'm going to go with dark type he's a very deceptive route runner and dark types are all about deception and all about having lots of little tricks up your sleeve to mess with you um and uh yep that's three we do max three um, okay, Kyle Slaby asked one. It's huge. I'm going to tell you right now. The football conversation is over. This is not a football question, and it's the last question. If all you wanted to hear is football stuff, I'll see you all tomorrow. With that said, if you are willing to continue on to this journey, Kyle Slaby asks, Pokemon is a franchise based in the concept of multiverse theory. It's not even clear if all the animated seasons and movies are canonical, but in 1998's masterpiece, Pokemon the First Movie, it is confirmed that Minnesota exists and is populated by Vikings. There's a reference in the anime that's like, Vikings live in Minnesota, so it implies that the Minnesota Vikings exist. So we know that at least one of the multiverses of the Pokemon universe exists within the, with the Minnesota Vikings as a thing. Whether it's even football they're referencing is debatable, let's assume it is. Um, it is. There, there are linebackers in, I believe... The fifth generation, I believe in black and white too, there are linebacker trainers that are like linebacker Ed or whatever. Um, so yeah, American football exists, so I'm pretty sure that's the Minnesota Vikings. Based on the fact that many societies live in harmony with Pokemon, one can assume that Pokemon would be could be playing football. Let's also assume the Vikings still aren't champions. It's multiverse, it's not magic. Fair enough. So, which original 151 Pokemon would you draft to lead the Vikings to the Super Bowl? Is there a more is there a better answer than Machamp? It has to be Machamp. He has four arms, great stiff arm. I mean, this dude's the greatest running back of all time, right? And he could probably stiff arm any human to oblivion. The dude's never getting brought down. I th- it's it's got to be And he's got a low center of gravity, too, because Machamp is, like, shorter than you'd think. It's got to be Machamp. Um, all right, yep. This is a, what a disaster of an episode. I love it. I love Twitter Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow, we'll go back to history. We'll maybe do some other modern stuff this week. Um, but hopefully, I can be uh, back at the normal setup soon enough for those watching on YouTube and back with rabbits over the ads and stuff like that. But we're still kind of in uh, temporary setup quarantine mode. But we'll get to it. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.